Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. You want to acknowledge the elephant in the room or what? The Chloe and Tristan stuff? <laughs> like, I have no idea what the deal is, but obviously, as we spoke about on Monday's episode, she was at Beyonce's birthday party. So was he, which means nothing in terms of them being back together. They both could be there on their own accord. And then there's this Dumois thing about rumors of them being back together. And then someone asked Dumois to clarify, you know, is this just speculation or have you heard things? And Dumois answers, heard things, which again, take with a grain of salt. But now all the other people are popping up out of left field and... (laughs) I don't know. It's just like, I guess we just say a prayer that it's not true. I don't think it's true. And also, Chloe specifically captioned that picture of her, Kim and Lala from the night, single ladies, and then also posted the same one on Twitter with the caption, single squad. And I feel like she probably heard after the party that rumors were circulating. To me, that's her shutting it down. And you know what? That's what I'm going to stick with because it does feel intentional, right? To me, very. I also think that Anytime they're together, they're probably on good terms, especially if they're at a party. And so I think that in the setting away from the kids and like the family, for people to see them out like that, I'm sure conclusions were jumped to, even though there wasn't necessarily anything there. Okay. So that's what we're going with, that it's just rumors and Chloe is now falling back into that trap. Don't you think so? I don't know if I think so or if I just want it to be true so badly that it's kind of clouded my view on it. You know, like I saw that news and I was like, by the grace of God, go I like I what what else am I supposed to do here? Like I saw it and there was no part of me that believed it. I don't think that Chloe would put herself through not the Tristan of it. I do not think Chloe is prepared to put herself through another round of reactions to that. I know, and I'm not saying that you're wrong, but if that is the case, I so badly wish that the more motivating factor would be no way is she willing to put up with the Tristan of it all. Not to say the reactions don't get to a person. Absolutely. No part of me is trying to downplay that. But I think if we're choosing between the two, I would so badly hope that it's like, fuck the reactions. I don't want to go anywhere near this guy for my own personal sanity. And it may be. To me, it's just like whatever gets the job done. I know. (laughs) I know. Like We'll take anything we can get. Right. Like I can't be picky choosy about her reasoning for not getting back with him as long as she just simply doesn't get back with him. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you're listening to this, let's all just put that out into the universe. And maybe there's the power of like collective thought. I, 
hypothetical, and I don't even want to say this because it's not going to happen, but hypothetically speaking, imagine six months down the line, we're on this podcast and a TMZ article comes out that Chloe and Tristan are in fact back together and she makes a grid post of the two of them together. Like <laughs> at that point, I guess we just retire. I can't see that happening. Like I have to have more faith in her than that. I do have more faith in her than that. I do too. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I will continue to put my faith in Chloe. And if we're disappointed, we're disappointed. But we owe that to her to at least believe in her. You know how not skinny but not fat sometimes we'll put on her stories and be like reminder of certain things. I need a daily reminder that Chloe has another kid. She has really kept that private. I'm kind of surprised. In what sense? I just feel like she posts her day-to-day life more than the others, actually, a little bit more underratedly. And I'm just surprised that she hasn't posted like content of True and the Baby. This may not be the case, but where I've always stood on it is that if everything didn't happen with the scandal, and let's say her and Tristan really were still back together, I think by now we probably would have gotten a photo or at least a photo of maybe True holding his hand. I think that whole situation rocked her. And then the fact that the news of her surrogacy came out to the public way before she was prepared to, I feel like it it kind of traumatized her, you know? Like I think she's really, really taking her time. No, I totally agree. Where is a picture? That's what you're right. Where is just one picture of a finger hold? Okay, so let's say hypothetically speaking, this week she had posted that. And it was the same week that all these rumors are swirling after Beyonce's party and after the Dumas stuff comes out. Couldn't you see the headlines or forget about the headlines, Twitter being like, hmm, Chloe posting a photo of the baby just as rumors of her interest in being back together. Like, And I think that would send her into a tailspin. So I just think she's being really, really conservative with this. I think so too. It's so unfortunate. Like She can't win. No, she can't. But you know something? Seeing her walk out of Beyonce's like very clearly drunk, full rhinestones with the bedazzled Balenciaga, to me, I was like, that is the Chloe we love to see. She really just looked like she was having a time. Totally. I want to talk about the two YouTube videos this week before we get into the recap episodes of Kylie and Chris. Me too. So there were two separate videos. The first was called Kylie's Glam Bar, and it was her doing Chris's makeup with a new Chris collection. And the second was a video for Vogue where they're in the kitchen dripping in emeralds and diamonds and just making a dinner, kind of also gently promoting the Chris collection, but nothing crazy. Nothing remarkable happened in either of these. We didn't get any great information. They're not must-watches. You know, it's it's a fun, mindless watch if you're into this. But the biggest takeaway for me was that so much of the time when I think about Kylie, probably due to a combination of her being the businesswoman and mogul and celebrity that she is, and then also her being a mom, I forget how young she is, and I forget that she's the baby of the family. And I would say that when I think of her, I think of her so much more as a mother than I do as Kris Jenner's daughter, even though that's not lost on me. And then watching this video, it felt like, I don't know, she almost reverted back to her childlike sense. And there was something so sweet about it. It was like Kylie Jenner, the mogul at the end of the day, really is just Kris Jenner's youngest daughter who's asking her how much olive oil she should pour into the pan. You know, like like on one hand, it was so extravagant. They're cooking for Vogue and I don't even know how many millions of dollars worth of diamonds. But at the same time, it felt like it was just a mom and a daughter in a kitchen and the mom was teaching her how to do things. I know exactly what you mean. And it's funny because that existed at the exact same time as like, this is not just your average mother-daughter duo, but you're right about there wasn't that much takeaway. Like we didn't learn anything new. There was nothing overly interesting. I could watch the dynamic between the two of them for hours. It's really, really interesting. They have a very unique relationship. 
I think they both bring out the best, most fun side of each other. I think Chris is always like that. Like to me, there is no one in the world more fun than Chris Jenner. When they say she is the life of the party, they are not kidding. But I think that she has that effect on Kylie and definitely brings that out of her. But it's like, what you were saying about reverting back to the child-like dynamic of just mom and daughter and in the kitchen and her looking to Chris to really tell her what to do, there was also the side of their relationship where like Chris was just having fun being drunk and letting Kylie do her makeup and Kylie was almost like in the mother-like role at certain points. Like It's just a very, very fun dynamic to watch. I think that it's just a dynamic filled with so much mutual respect, you know, like Kylie is so hyper aware, as I think are all the kids of who Chris is, not only to her as a mother, but also just where she sits in the world and like feels such a deep sense of gratitude that that's her mom. And then also, I think she just really enjoys her as a person, you know, just because it's your parent doesn't mean that you necessarily have to get along with them. Like it's your friend. And I think that their personalities really mesh in a very, very special way. It's just, it's beautiful to watch. I get why Kylie's her favorite. I see it. I, I think that Kylie gives her the easiest time also out of any of them. I think so too. And we had this fight about who we think is second because you think it's Kim and I think it's Chloe. And I think where we ultimately ended up is that I agreed with you that I would be willing to settle as a tie, like Kylie number one and then a tie between Kim and Chloe as a number two. God forbid we argued over something and didn't end it in a tie. <laughs> no, but I mean, is that not what we said? We were literally sitting having breakfast on an island in Greece and we're like <laughs> having a heated argument about this, but that's where we landed. There's nothing more classic than that. It is where we landed. But we also said, like, from a business perspective, it's Kylie, then Kim, no question. But from, like, a parent-child perspective, I would say that's Kylie, then Chloe. Kylie fills both those roles. I get it. I get why she's the favorite. Yeah, it's a really kind of interesting dynamic. And then also just the simple fact that she's the youngest, you know? She's, she's Chris's baby. Well, that's the other thing, is that I think that out of all of them, and Kendall, too, because of how young they are, Chris really sees them as kids, like really still sees them as her babies. I think she views Kim as like her equal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's funny because in so many ways, I think that she views Kylie as her equal, but differently. I understand what you're saying. Different, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Do we need help? It's not. Yeah, like it can't be normal, right? It can't be. I think it, it I, I think it's not normal, but I think it's not uncommon. I just feel like if I was someone, if I was us and I, I felt the exact same way that we felt, and then I heard someone talking about it in the way that we do, I think I'd feel really, really seen because I would probably be embarrassed to say this out loud to a lot of people, you know? So that's kind of how I put myself at ease. I'm like, there has to be someone listening that also has these discussions with their friends, but feels too embarrassed to say it out loud and then can hear this and be like, all right, I'm not alone. I have to imagine there is many a group chat where this exact conversation has taken place. I do. Okay. <laughs> and here's to hoping. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies and 
to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so when this is over, we will have completed season one of Chloe and Lamar. We're on episodes six, seven, and eight. Eight is the finale. Episode six, not a hell of a lot to talk about. It really centers around Lamar and his relationship with his dad and just trying to make it better. A little bit of Robin Malika, which is important context because last week we were just questioning, like, was that whole thing a bit or was it real? We now get confirmation that it was real and they didn't only hook up once, they're kind of casually hooking up. And then episode seven really centers around Robin Malika. And truly, it brought me right back. Like I remembered so clearly how excited I was watching this when it went down the first time when it initially aired. I felt the same way watching it now. It gave me a real thrill. First of all, I just need to acknowledge the fact that we're through the first season. I feel like it's a really big deal emotionally that we were able to make it through. It was rough, especially in this season finale when they're talking about trying to get pregnant. I mean, that was a real roller coaster. The whole thing has been a real roller coaster of emotion. And I feel like these last three episodes, more than any other ones, I was trying to really compare the Lamar that we were watching on our screen to the Lamar we know now. And I was like, wow, these are two different people. I think that I would have an easier time watching this if Chloe had found her happily ever after and she wasn't just put through so much pain by this most recent relationship because she's so in love here. Like she is really so in love here. I know. And I feel for Chloe, but I really, really feel for Lamar too. Like it makes me so sad for him. I know. I don't think that this is how he envisioned his life was going to go in the slightest. 
Well, and I think specifically in these episodes, you see him kind of being everyone's like savior, quote unquote, and really making sure that everyone is in order and, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing and taking care of themselves. And so you can really see how heartbreaking it is that he fell down a path he so clearly did not have any intention of going down. Well, yeah, I mean, he was everyone in his life's rock, which it's funny because in episode six, where Khadija is temporarily moving in, it's not really a plot point worth discussing, but basically Chloe is spreading herself too thin. She allows Khadija to move in, but it's the dog, the newborn baby, the husband is just like too much and there's too much chaos going on in the house. And the lesson Chloe learns at the end of the episode is like, you know what? I really just have to learn to say no. And I have to learn to put up boundaries because I'm, I don't have the bandwidth for this. But at the same time, that's kind of what was happening in Lamar's life. You know, individually, they were both the rocks for their own inner circles. Right. And one of the major plots over the episodes is Lamar's best friend, Jamie, who we now know, unfortunately passed away. He is kind of suffering. Like one of the things that they've spoken about throughout the season is that Jamie had some major health issues and the recovery on the other end of it mentally has been really difficult. And Jamie kind of drops the ball on some things in terms of Lamar's brand rich soil. And Lamar almost forces him into a rock bottom situation by taking him off the project because he clearly wasn't upholding his end of the bargain. But that rock bottom really hits Jamie and Lamar jumps into action to make sure that Jamie's okay, taking care of himself, helps him, you know, go away on a wellness retreat, like really just it is that person for him. I know. And then let's not forget, as we spoke about Jamie passed away, which I know in this episode, Lamar was very much his rock, but in a lot of ways, Jamie was also Lamar's rock, which is why I maintain the fact that I think his death, I'm not saying it was at all the, the sole factor in contributing to what happened with Lamar, of course not, but I have to imagine the devastation he must felt from that was a catalyst. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, also... I know we were saying in episode six, not too much happened with his dad. It actually was a much more positive representation of their relationship than we had seen previously. But you can just see how much it weighs on him. It's like all he wants is for them to have a night together when it's good. And you could see when his dad comes over and Chloe cooks for him and they have a really fun night and the driver drives him home. I felt like when he left and everything had gone well that night, he was so relieved that there was one night they could have together where his dad wasn't asking for something. You know, I felt like he never could fully relax in the presence of his dad because he was always a little bit on guard that in the midst of them having this like really loving father son time that boom, he was going to ask him for something. I think the way Lamar describes his dad is if he had $500 in his pocket, he'd still ask you for two, which is funny considering the way that Chloe describes Lamar is that if he had $10 in his pocket, he'd give you 11 or something like that. And so the difference is in that. And I'm sure that a lot of Lamar's generosity comes from trying to overcorrect for the way that he felt his father was. But yeah, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of guilt that Lamar has where he's like, you know, perpetually disappointed by his father, but at the same time, doesn't want to be the person disappointing his own dad and feels like he has to kind of just accept him for who he is and find that balance. And so that was something that you watched Lamar really struggle with the entire season and really come to a head these episodes. 
Yeah. And also something he kind of alludes to in this episode is that because he lost his mom, in a lot of ways, his dad is that final link to his mom. And so he wants to ask his dad questions and find out things about his mom that he wouldn't know otherwise. And so it's like this strange thing that happens because even though you have so much upset towards this person, you also realize that they're the thing that maybe connects you most to this to the person that you miss the most. It's like a very complicated, traumatic bond. Oh, it absolutely is. And it was hard to watch Lamar go through that. And also he speaks, I think, for the first time in one of these episodes about the fact that he lost a child. When he's talking to Jamie and trying to help Jamie through what he's going through, he really reflects on like the worst moment of his life. And I don't think that he had spoken about that in this season yet. I don't think he had either. At least I didn't remember it. I mean, as we learn more about Lamar, and I know these are things we already know because we've seen this season before, but it just makes so much sense why he was so drawn to Chloe. You know, like he hadn't really felt that safety from a lot of people in his life. And I think one, Chloe made him feel so safe. And second of all, Chloe exhibited so many very, very maternal and nurturing qualities. And I think especially after losing his mom, he was really craving that. Not to say he wouldn't have wanted a woman who's like that anyway, but I think there was a part of the way Chloe was that almost, I don't want to say filled the void of his mother because that's inaccurate and almost insulting to say, but that he was so drawn to. Yeah. I think Chloe provided him with exactly what he needed. She did. They were a really good match. And I think that Lamar at the time provided Chloe with what she needed because one of the things that you watch Lamar consistently do for Chloe is validate her and really make her feel so special and so seen and so beautiful. And that's really, I think, what Chloe needed the most at that time. She did. And some could argue that she still does. Oh, I think absolutely she still does. I don't know if you ever grow out of that, but I think that I think it's definitely not in the same way. Well, no, I mean, her, her, not to say her struggles are different now, but I think the source of where that's coming from is different now. Yeah, definitely. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the season changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. 
Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. We got to get into the Robin Malik of it all because, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you look back. Like they were full blown hooking up and yeah, it was just friends with benefits, but they were essentially living together because they were both pretty much living at Chloe's house. And it, it, Malika really liked him. Like, not to say that Rob didn't have feelings for her as well, but even Chloe says it. You know, she really was developing these strong feelings for him. And they were almost navigating this space that started out as really playful and then turned into something that was a little bit more potentially serious. I think Rob really liked Malika, but I think Rob really loved playing the game. And part of that was the attention and the flirtation from Malika, but also watching Chloe squirm a little bit through it. And I think in the beginning, that's what Malika liked about it too. But I think she really, really liked Rob. And you know what? I think that I didn't realize how immature Rob was at this time. Well, that's what it is. I mean, he's what, 23? Yeah. Like he has every right to almost be immature, but I don't think it really hit me just how immature he was. Well, one of the scenes in episode seven is he invites Malika to go with him to San Diego because he's going for a party for the night. He has a hotel room for the night and he doesn't want to go alone. And Malika's saying in her confessional that, you know, when they used to go for a party, everyone would come, but she's actually feeling really excited that she's going to get some one-on-one time with Rob. They go to this party and he ends up hooking up with this other girl. So he basically leaves Malika. He spends the night with this other girl. The way the episode ends is that he thinks he gets her pregnant, but she ends up losing the baby. It's kind of like a real whirlwind and over the course of 22 minutes. But Malika is really, really pissed. And more than pissed, I think she's like sad. You know what was so weird about this episode? Like nobody validated the fact that Malika had every right to be upset about that. Like Rob invited her to go somewhere with her and then ditched her. Even if they weren't hooking up at all, it was still disrespectful to Malika. I know. I almost felt like even if Malika was just one of his guy friends, it still would have been weird. You know, like she just came with you to San Diego to be your plus one just to hang out and then you ditch her. Right. And everyone was kind of like, well, are you guys dating? Like he's kind of allowed to hook up with whoever he wants, which is 100 percent true. Had they been at a club with a bunch of other people or had he just hooked up with somebody on his own and she found out about it? Like, yeah, he's allowed to hook up with other people. I don't think it needs to be done in front of her when he literally invited her specifically to go with him. Can I tell you how pissed I would be if, if that were me? I, I, Julie, 
I think that I would have gotten myself either on a plane or in an Uber back to LA. There is no fucking way. She had every single right to be livid. Every single right. And I was so annoyed that no one was validating her in that. Well, because I think Chloe was trying to take it as an opportunity to be like, hmm, your reaction is really indicative of the fact that you do have stronger feelings for him that you were willing to admit to, which like, yeah, Chloe's not wrong in that, but couldn't you have chosen a better opportunity to to make that point than like making her feel bad for something that she had every right to? You know what was funny too in this episode? Like, okay, it obviously continues into the second part, but in the first part of the episode, the way that it ends after this whole San Diego mishap is that... Malika says to Rob when they're sitting at lunch, because Rob takes her out to kind of apologize, we either need to be together and be serious or nothing at all. And it's not even a conversation at that point about what they should do. I feel like they both kind of landed on like, well, obviously we're not going to seriously date. But then you start off right away in the next episode with Malika being so touchy with him at lunch and being so upset and like heartbroken about the pregnancy scare where it's like, wait, didn't you guys just decide that there was no scenario in which you guys were going to seriously date? Like it wasn't even a consideration of a conversation. Yeah. But that's why Rob was right when he was like, I don't think you're going to be able to keep your hands off of me. Like they both really couldn't keep their hands off of each other, but that's where the part about them both essentially living with Chloe really comes into play. You know, like it's one thing if it was out of sight, out of mind, but they're spending every second together. Neither of them had the self-control in the moment to just stop. Like to me, this is the type of situation where it wasn't going to stop until one of them started dating someone else. If Rob was a little bit more mature at this time, they would have seriously dated. But could you imagine if they seriously dated and then seriously ended up together? I know we were talking about that on the last episode recap, but it's like I'm watching these and I feel like I'm entering an alternate reality where that could have been the case. And I'm wishing it was the case. What a situation that would have been. I think that would be the happiest Chris could ever possibly be for Rob to end up with Malika, someone who she feels so safe with, who she knows is so solid, such a good person. And she would never have to worry about like, quote, taking care of Rob emotionally, because I think she would really trust that Malika would be able to do that entirely. Or worry about somebody taking advantage of Rob. Well, that more so, yeah. It's, it's like she wouldn't need to go through the vetting process. Chloe would love it too. Chloe was like so squirmish about it in this episode, but like she was never against it. And you could tell there was a piece of her that like really wanted Malika to just be her sister-in-law. And I think that she knew that it was the Rob of it all, which is why it would never work out. But had Rob been a little bit older, a little bit more mature, had his shit together a little more, a hundred percent Chloe would have been all in favor of that. (laughs) If I'm Chloe, that is best case scenario. I think so. Are you kidding? It's like keeping it all in the family, basically. To me, to me, that's the dream. I always wished if I had a sibling that I had a brother. And then I always wished that my brother married my best friend. Like to me, if anybody's listening and you have that scenario, please let us know. Honestly, as your best friend, I wish you had a brother too. Could you imagine? Oh, I'm so upset right now. Could you imagine what our life would be? Oh my God. Wait, I know. Fuck. I know. And it's not even like I have a cousin. All of my cousins are so much older and married. I think this is one of the most heartbreaking revelations I've ever had. <laughs> How do you think I feel?
people have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. The finale is really a culmination of the Robin and Malika plot line, the Jamie plot line, and then Chloe and her fertility journey. First thing I want to say is, do we know when they made the switch definitively from Dr. Paul Crane to Dr. A? And is that potentially because he retired? And I'm also having a little bit of deja vu right now because I feel like we may have had this conversation. But I just feel like when I used to think of Kardashians, OBGYN, it was always Dr. Paul Crane. And in recent years, it's really Dr. A. It's really the Sharon Sachs, Mindy Weiss of the medical community. Yeah, but I don't think it's due to preference necessarily. It could be. I just feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. How many kids did Crane deliver? Listen, he was probably retired. That's what I'm saying. Well, let's I, see if he's really... practicing. This is a very easy thing to look up. Will you look it up? Um, live on air, I will right now. 
No, he's still practicing. Oh, T. T. T is fuck. <laughs> like, that's how I feel of going back to the beginning of the episode. Like, you think there's anyone else that at 930 on a Tuesday night is Googling if Dr. Paul Crane is still practicing to see if that may explain why they why the Kardashians made the shift from him as their main OBGYN to Dr. A? Because that feels kind of fucking insane. <laughs> But the only thing that I can maybe think of also is that um, one is more like one is more equipped in terms of like fertility or maybe like surgical practice. Yeah. I mean, I just can't pretend to know anything about either of their specialties. So the jury's out on that one. But if you have any insight, <laughs> that's a new thing that we are newly curious about. Remember how we started off this episode saying, like, I have to imagine there's plenty of group chats that have had the argument about which child is Kris Jenner's first, second, third, fourth, the order of favoritism. I can tell you, Em, honestly, right now, there is not one other group chat that has ever existed where they have debated the switch from Paul Crane to Dr. A. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there's a first for everything, huh? There really, really is. But yeah, back to this episode, one of the main plot lines was Chloe's fertility journey and her growing frustration with all of the complications that were arising. And not to say that she wasn't upset herself. I think she really was. She so badly wanted to conceive a child and it wasn't happening. But what was so upsetting to me to watch is that she kept repeating the phrase of like, I don't want my husband to leave me. You know, I want to be able to give him a baby. And if I can't give him a baby, maybe he's going to leave me. I hear about all these men leaving their wives if they can't conceive. And it, it sent like a chill down my spine. I don't know why it just upset me so, so, so much that on top of everything she was feeling internally, that was also a separate source of anxiety that she had going on. Right. Which is a very real thing because, you know, the trouble in conceiving can put a lot of strain on a marriage. And so it was so upsetting to watch her have that in the back of her mind on top of her frustration with her own body in terms of not being able to conceive. And you know what? It really was the greatest blessing in the world that her and Lamar didn't have a child together. No, I think so as well. But obviously that's in hindsight. I think at the time she just felt really, really stuck. I have so much compassion for anyone who is struggling with infertility in this way. It's it's like something that I am really wanting to explore a little bit more for myself in terms of just doing some more of those checkups and seeing where I'm at. And I have, for some reason, I have such, not anxiety about it necessarily, but something is clearly stopping me from taking that step. You know, like why haven't I just gone and done the test that I want to? And I think it's because there's probably a little bit of fear. I don't know. It's a very interesting uh experience that you, I guess, get more in touch with as you get older and, and start to think more about the concept of maybe wanting to have children. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I also think about so much with Chloe, to go back to that, about her talking about when things with Lamar started to not be so great and she was on fertility medication and she was purposely not taking it, knowing that something was off and that she didn't want to have to have a child with Lamar. And I always, always, always think about that fact because I, one of the things with the Lamar plot is that so much of it was hidden for so long that the timeline of it is really unclear. And so it, I'm very interested in, in whether or not she was 
stopping herself from taking the fertility medication with full knowledge of what was going on or if it was really just based off a bad gut feeling at first that she was unfortunately proven right about. That I don't know. And that's something that I would be really curious about. It's interesting because I think the Lamar stuff has been so out of sight, out of mind for a while for us. And we've obviously, anytime that we've spoken about timelines and zoning in on that and trying to really get the answers there, it has been about the Tristan and Chloe relationship timeline, when they were together, when they got back together, like all of that. But I I would be lying if I said that I wasn't interested in the way that Lamar played out. I feel like that is a timeline that we won't get because it is so far past the fact. And I don't think it's something that Chloe really wants to relive. But I, in retrospect, now watching this again, would be very interested in piecing together. Not to say that it's something Chloe will never speak on because never say never with them. But for so many reasons, I really think it's an aspect of her life that she will probably eternally keep more private than anything else. Oh, I think so too. In terms of the rest of the episode, I mean, we really focus on the Rob and Malika thing. And I know we kind of touched on this earlier, but the night in San Diego when Rob kind of ditches Malika for this woman, Rosa, according to the episode, which I'm sure was a little bit dramatized, Rosa gets pregnant. She ultimately ends up having a miscarriage. But in that time of kind of uncertainty, we see Malika's just really, really distraught. And Chloe makes a comment like, you know, I think Malika has always dreamed that the person she has a child with will only have children with her, which if you kind of reduce what she's saying, it's basically like she was anticipating living her life and having children with Rob. And this kind of puts a a wrench in the plan. Right. And even for Chloe to acknowledge the way in which this would affect Malika is so fascinating. Yeah. It's like, what a jump. She's not just saying, you know, Malika's really upset because this would totally change the course of Rob's life. She's basically saying, you know, Malika thinks that Rob is who she's ending up with and this changes things. It's crazy the fact that Chloe even ended up there because no situation, honestly, I know we were just talking about how much sympathy we had for Malika in that San Diego specific event. Rob getting a girl pregnant could not have less to do with Malika if she tried. In terms of like, <laughs> this is where the, okay, but you guys aren't dating comes into play. No, I know. But that goes back to when Chloe says, you know, yes, they both like each other and there's clearly a lot of sexual tension. But at the end of the day, Malika likes Rob a lot more than Rob likes Malika. And I think that this whole plot point just goes to prove that point because I really think to her, she had gone down the line in her mind of like, what could be? And I don't think that Rob was thinking about what could be. I think Rob was a horny 23-year-old that loved Malika both sexually and also as a person and was really happy to be engaging with her in the moment. I don't think he was thinking down the line what the potential was. No, he definitely wasn't. But that's Rob at this time. Like that's so Rob. There was no like potentially thinking down the line. It was everything was just in the moment. Everything was just a day-to-day thing for Rob, which goes to that conversation about his maturity. But you really watched him in this episode Um, when he thinks that he had gotten a girl pregnant, go from like the most immature reaction a person could possibly have, which is when he tells it to Chloe, he's like, I didn't consent to having a baby. And Chloe's like, you had unprotected sex. If you have unprotected sex, you're automatically consenting to having a baby. To then him realizing by the end of the episode that he kind of has to step up a little, but he's still a little bit unsure of how to do that. And I mean... You really see him struggle with the fact that he is just still a child. 
But I have to say, I know there's all these little or plot lines throughout these three episodes. If you really zoom out, probably the biggest thing is just the light it shines on Chloe and Rob's relationship. It's like the way that we talk about her being really maternal to Kylie and Kendall, at least during this time in Rob's life, she's very maternal for him as well. Oh, that's still her role in his life. They had an interesting relationship. Let's not lie. I loved it. I loved it too, but let's not pretend that there weren't times where you're like, okay, you guys are brother and sister, relax. It was very Monica and Ross. What else? Is there anything else from these that you want to mention? No, I just missed this season. I don't remember, I don't think, the second season of Chloe and Lamar as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting what we decide to do. I mean, it doesn't really matter because starting next week is when the Kardashians comes back. But after that, are we going to do cocktails with Chloe? Are we going to do Chloe and Lamar season two? Are we going to go back to keeping up? You know, there's so many. The world is our oyster. I also, I know I said this last week, but it's like we're off for the Jewish holidays the week after this coming week, which I can't believe freaking episode two, you know? I can't believe that. Whatever. What are you going to do? We had to, we had to give our dates before we knew when this was coming back. I, I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Isabel and I will be back on Friday for Bravo. And Julie and I will see you on Monday for our regular episode.